Hello and welcome to Destination Tokyo. I'm Mark Shardlow and this is 10 minutes or so of talk about the Olympics and Paralympics. Today I'll play more from my chat with footballer Ellen White on why she thinks that football is still very much relevant at the Olympics. But with me today is Paralympic long jumper who's got medals from the last three games and finalist of Celebrity MasterChef, Steph Reed. <laughs> hey Mark, how are you doing? Yeah, I've been to your kitchen, haven't I, and seen the magic at work. Uh, yeah, you have actually. That was for the Warrior Bars. Although you've just been telling me all about your sourdough loaf, so I'm quite impressed on this end as well. I'm trying to catch you up. Um, what's the favourite thing you think you've you've made or created in your kitchen over Christmas and into January? Oh, oh, um, the definite winner was a beef Wellington. I, I made one once before, and um, I think I was quite. <laughs> still quite new to um the whole cooking thing and i could not believe going to the butcher how much it cost to get a um, you know a nice piece of, of beef fillet and i was just terrified to cook it i was terrified i was going to ruin it and the whole process was actually quite stressful and i swore i would never do it again but um i decided to go for it this christmas and um and do you know what um i don't often say this but i i really did nail it you clearly love your food and I'm just wondering about the relationship between athletes and food. Is it a healthy one? Are you cool with it? Do you know what? It is. It's, it's a really complicated one. And and actually, I'm glad you asked because a lot of people um, either talk about it way too much or, or don't want to get into it. You know, the reality of being an athlete is is that your body is your tool, that that's what you use to compete. And and um, for example, I'm, I'm a long jumper. I'm a sprinter. There is always, always going to be a performance relationship between my power to mass ratio. So if I can be as light as I can, but as strong as I can, I'm going to perform better. And and that can be sometimes an awkward conversation, um, you know, for a coach and an athlete, but it's, it's one that you have to have. And I think it, it just, it's, it's a case of finding balance and, and having a really open discussion. You know, for example, when I compete, I probably compete um, at a lower weight than I would ever sit during the rest of the year because that wouldn't be healthy. Uh, particularly for females, there's so much more research coming out now that just shows um, there's a huge difference. Well, I feel like we all know this intuitively. There's a huge difference physiologically between men and women, but most of the research that we have has always traditionally been done on men. And so there's a whole new world of research that needs to be done, is being done right now for, for females. And I think um, the best advice that you can give or anyone can give is it just goes back to common sense and, and to balance. You know, for a very, very short period of the year, yes, you have to be really strict and you want to watch what you're eating and, and you do want to shoot for this ideal power to mass ratio. But the rest of the year, it's, it's about being healthy. Because this is the month when, you know, as mere mortals really are, are bombarded with lots of advice on health, eating, in our attempts to sort of shed the pounds. Do you have any sort of sage words that you, you've learned from your uh, elite career that you can pass on to those people who are, you know, pondering what to do in January? Probably the best advice that I was ever given in terms of being an athlete and in terms of food was um, I, I was given a new nutrition plan and, and I was reading through it and, and I, I asked the guy, um, so what am I going to do for snacks? And he looked at me and he said, you don't need snacks. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he said, if, if you're hungry, you eat a meal. And, and I think it was the first time I, I really started thinking about this idea of snack culture and, and, and reading more into it and, and realizing that we, we actually live in a really, really difficult environment to eat well because everything is geared towards getting us to eat more. 
because the more you eat, the more companies can can sell. And it was this idea of just being um, a little bit disciplined and sitting down, eating full, healthy, filling three meals a day. That should be enough. If if you're snacking, then perhaps you're not eating enough at meals. And snacking tends to be these snap decisions. Ooh, I quite feel like this biscuit or this cookie, as opposed to you know sitting down and really planning things out. You know, for example, I oh, I love my cheat meal every week, and I plan it out really, really well. And I really, really enjoy it. Um, but I try not to just make snap decisions uh, on eating things. I try and stick with my plan and make sure it's really robust. So you have a plan, do you? You've got a nutrition plan that you try and stick to more or less. Yeah, in the sense that I know the number of times I'm going to eat during the day. I know basically I need to eat this amount of protein, this amount of carbs. Um, I want to have lots of veg. So it's it's not the it's not like I've written it out and I weigh it all out or anything like that. Um, but I've just I've definitely planned in my meals to make sure I, I get them in. So training wise, then where are you at at the moment, Steph? I feel like in many ways I I've been really lucky. I, I feel like I'm doing probably between eighty to eighty five percent of the work that I would need to be doing, which which is good. Um, you know, we are still prepping for for Tokyo, and I'm working hard towards that. I do have to, you know, every 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 two weeks or so, just you know, have a bit of a, a conversation with myself because it it is hard when you know, you're looking around the world and training conditions and environments are different for different people, and you feel like, ah. Oh, I just I don't want to go to these games and and not be prepared in the way that I would like to because of geographical restrictions where I am. And then just remind myself, Stephanie, if you're doing the best that you can with everything you have at the moment, there, there's just there's nothing else you can do. And, and you just need to let that part go. You sort of mentioned lockdown there. How have you coped with it? Uh, I mean, you, you, your husband, Brent, is also an athlete, too, a professional athlete. So you've got a very athletic house. So at the very, very start of lockdown, um, me, this is like lockdown when I, I remember, you know, yes, it was really tough. And about a weekend, I had a conversation with my my sister-in-law, Brent's sister, Trisha, who was in lockdown with, at the time, um, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And I realized very quickly, um, I am not going to complain <laughs> yep. anymore during this, this lockdown because, you know, but, uh, honestly, many aspects of lockdown were actually really nice. Um you know, Brent and I, we usually miss each other. Um, we, we don't really cross paths that much in the summer because, yes, we're both competing. We both go to different competitions often, and sometimes we're a bit like ships in the night. So to be honest, to have an entire summer together was, was quite indulgent. You know, we don't have kids. We weren't having to juggle homeschooling and that sort of thing. Um, there, there were aspects that were really hard because, again, you've got you've got two athletes in the house, two athletes that were, you know, very much mourning the not the loss of Tokyo, but the postponements, and and you always want to be mindful because you, even though that that's your person, he's my person to chat about um, my emotions and me talking about it affects him, and so we're kind of finding that balance. I think at the moment this week we've both decided, you know, conversations about COVID, we're we're just we're done with them. I think a lot of athletes have come to that conclusion over the last week. Than you. Yeah, I was actually chatting. Um, Alice Deering, um, I've heard, has apparently just shut off every single um, you know, social media message. I think you can do it somehow where you get rid of Tokyo 2020, Summer Olympics, Paralympics, and just, you know, basically I've had enough. Like I just want to focus on what I can what I can control, what I can deal with. Yep, exactly. So what's what's your next deadline then? Yeah, the hard thing is they it keeps changing. And so up until yesterday, I was meant to be getting on a flight to Dubai for a training camp on the next Saturday. So on January 30th, 
and and that's been cancelled. And we were going there to prepare for the British Indoor Champs, and that was just cancelled. So um, uh, I'm not really sure at the moment. Um, I've kind of just taken the next two days to digest it, and then and then my coach Aston and I were going to sit down and and just kind of reconfigure things because we were planning on doing an indoor season, and that doesn't look to be happening. So we have to think well you know, do we bother carrying on with this competition phase of training or do we just jump right back into heavy winter training? So this has just been an excellent lesson in flexibility. Yep. And I think uh, most athletes have shown that over the last nine or 10 months. Brilliant. Steph, thanks very much for being with us today and we'll catch you later. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, cool. We'll catch up soon. And that's the fantastic Steph Reed. Well, now on to the second part of my chat with England footballer Ellen White, a sensation at the 2019 World Cup. Ellen made her Olympic debut in London in 2012 and she's been telling me about it. It was absolutely incredible, to be honest. I think as a as a women's footballer, um, you didn't necessarily believe that you'd ever be able to, to kind of go to an Olympics. So when all the, the stars aligned and, and we were able to to create a women's football team to go to, to 2012 was an absolute dream and obviously to be selected. Um, for me, what stands out is is probably the game against Brazil uh, where we played at Wembley and the crowd was absolutely unbelievable. Um, you know, I've got goosebumps now just kind of thinking about it really. But yeah, the, the amount of people that wanted to watch women's football was incredible. And also to, to be in the Olympic Village and, you know, speak to so many different athletes of, of so many different walks of life and the challenges they had to, to get to the Olympics was just incredible. Do you think it did a lot for the women's game? Yeah, definitely. I think it it was unbelievable the experiences that you that you gained from going to an Olympics. Um, I think I've you know I've always watched it on TV, but then to now say that that I'm an Olympian and I've been to an Olympics is something that you know I hold dear forever, really. And you know we've got a massive chance to to potentially go to, to Tokyo. Um, it's a really tight squad for, for women's football. It's like 18 selected and then four reserves. So um, it would be an absolute dream. But yeah, definitely it, it was a, a big game changer and it really kind of put women's football in the spotlight, really. A lot has changed for the women's game since then. So do you think it's still relevant for 2021? I think so, um, 100%. Um, it's such a it's a it's a global event that that's watched by so many people and it's so iconic um, and definitely it's still relevant and you know there's there's athletes from from all walks of life and and all al- around the world that, that literally train for their whole lives for that that one moment in the Olympics and uh, you know that the whole world are excited to, to watch the Olympics so uh, yeah it's definitely relevant and for me it's 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 an incredible occasion and and something that I'd love to be involved in again. That's Ellen White, England and Team GB footballer, talking about her experiences at London 2012 and the relevance of football to the Olympics. Well, I've got another team sports feature tomorrow. It's hockey. And I've got a member of the 2016 gold medal winning women's squad. That's tomorrow on Destination Tokyo. Just a reminder, these podcasts last about 10 minutes. It's very easy to subscribe. Subscribing means you'll get them free in your inbox every day. And you just go to your podcast host and hit the subscribe button. So thanks very much once again for listening and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.